Hey there, it's Sarah Holder, host of Big Take. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment, and dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube. The president speaking on television the other day talked about the fact that there is the possibility that the U.S. economy could be heading towards a recession. From Bloomberg News and iHeartRadio, it's The Big Take. I'm Wes Kosova. Today, recession or no recession? That is the question. For months now, economists have been weighing and measuring the U.S. economy to try to answer that question. Are we heading into a recession or will we be spared the pain of a full-fledged downturn? It's not looking very good. It's, it's looking pretty ugly in the next year or so. Bloomberg Economics mm. sees the benchmark interest rate rising to almost 5% by the end of 2023 and a near certain recession during that time. So I would stick with my view that a recession this year is more likely than not. The general consensus to answer your question is it's either a mild recession or a soft landing. It is saying recession's coming. It's saying recession is not happening now, but a recession coming in 2023. But predicting the direction of an economy that is so huge, $26 trillion, is not so easy. My colleague Katya Dmitrieva in Washington writes all about the U.S. economy, and she's here with me now to explain. Katya, you've just written a story that shows why economic forecasting is such a tricky business, why it's so hard to predict a recession. Can you describe what you were trying to find and what your reporting shows? Yeah, I was trying to find whether we're going to head into a recession in 2023, like all the other economists and market watchers out there right now. So the good news is that there are a lot of different ways of measuring the economy and whether we're actually slipping into a recession. The bad news is that it still really is more of an art than a science. Exactly what do you mean by that? Like with anything in the economy, there are so many different components to it. You have consumer spending, you have corporate investment decisions, you have all of these moving parts, and they don't all move at the same time, especially right now, especially in this weird kind of economy we're in right now where the pandemic happened would still argue that we're in that recovery phase. You know, a lot of the data is still out of whack, I should say. And economists and market watchers are really struggling to unpack even the trends, even the trajectory. So if you take the labor market as one component, you know, as one of the puzzle pieces that go into this broader image of the economy, even that itself right now is not very clear. So you have within the labor market itself different signs 
One thing will show you, like the unemployment rate will show you that the labor market is at a half century level of tightness. You look at another indicator looking at the sector of temporary help in the labor market, and that has now declined for several months in a row. And that's usually a component that's an indicator of whether a recession is coming because that's the segment of the market that's like first fired, first hired. So economists will just tell you we don't really have a clear answer from that. We don't have a clear message from even the labor market itself. And so that labor market, of course, is one of the really big traditional indicators. You, in your story, went beyond those big indicators that everyone looks at to look at ones that maybe people don't think about. So let's talk about some of them. One of them that stood out to me was even looking at things like restaurant reservations on apps like Open Table and hotel reservations. How are they able to add that to this, as you say, picture of the economy? These were all new indicators that popped up during the pandemic. And so now they're using them instead of to track the economic recovery from the pandemic, they're using them to track perhaps growing signs of a recession. You know, are people uh, in restaurants? Are people coming back to kind of in-person gatherings? Now that's a sign of consumer spending. So are people going out to spend their money on food and drinks A few of the other things include mobility data. So are people moving around, office, occupancy, vacancy rates? Are people coming back to the office? And if you're in the office, you're going out, you're going to a lot of restaurants or places to buy your lunch. So that's additional spending into the economy. These are all things that economists are still looking at to track what's happening. And there are also kind of some weirder ones. Let's have it. (laughs) Uh, Plastic surgery is one. Plastic surgery. Interesting. Yeah. I spoke with one economist who is adamant that plastic surgery spending is probably the best tracker of discretionary spending. Because think about it. Like, you don't need plastic surgery. You spend it when you have a lot of extra money. And so after the pandemic, sort of 2021, 22, there was a, a boom in, in plastic surgery. And now in the past month or so, this economist tells me there's been a, a bit of a pullback in that activity. Like so many of these other indicators were coming off of a high. So the past year, year and a half, we had so many companies hiring excessively, labor hoarding. For plastic surgery, we had a boom in procedures. You know, people maybe are on Zoom. They want to change something up. But now we're coming off of the high. And so the question, I think, is, is that a sign of a moderation and a slowdown and a return to normal? Or is this the beginning crack of a recession that's really just going to get wider? Another thing that people wouldn't immediately think about is lipstick. That's right. Yeah, this is a favorite one because in a downturn, people stop spending on very big ticket brand name items. So let's say you want to buy something Chanel. You wouldn't buy a Chanel purse anymore, but you still want to have that luxury. So you're going to buy a Chanel lipstick. So you're going to swap out your spending. And does that actually happen? Like, are there data to show that, say, Chanel handbag sales go down, but Chanel lipstick sales go up? Not for a few decades, <laughs> but it certainly was the case before. <laughs> okay, so this is like an old favorite that may no That's longer right. hold true? Yeah, it's the same with men's underwear sales. 
Sorry, that came out of the blue. Men's underwear says, as long as we went there, what are you talking about? Yeah, uh, it's a basic, right? It's a yeah, basic. Yeah, I mean, unlike plastic surgery, you kind of have to have it. I imagine you buy it whether the economy is good or bad if you need it. So how is that an indicator? In very bad times, you tend to delay your purchases. So, for example, instead of buying brand new underwear, uh, you might hold off. If some of your underwear has a rip in it, if you're in a recession or very bad times, you just lost your job, you're just going to keep holding on to it. We're joking around about it, but uh, former Federal Reserve head Alan Greenspan uh, tracks this stuff. He tracks the sale of men's underwear as a real indicator of consumer spending and potentially economic growth or, you know, a potential downturn. I think it's more of um, one of the many things that some economists would look at to sort of gauge, are we sort of at the bottom of a recession? Right now, there really are little signs of that. So luxury sales are still elevated, for example. Um, we still have plastic surgery happening at levels not seen pre-2019, but it's just moderating. So these are things that they're watching for, not things that they've necessarily seen start to happen, which would indicate a recession, but just like a little bit of a downturn, and then they want to watch it for a while. That's right. That question gets at the really tricky thing with recession prediction. And that tricky thing is that it's usually impossible to predict exactly when a recession will hit. You can see signs of it. You can see a trend. But it's really difficult with any certainty. One of the most scientific measures is the SOM rule, developed by former Fed economist uh, Claudia SOM. Essentially, it's uh, if the unemployment rate, this is the main U3 rate we track in every single monthly jobs report. If you see the three-month moving average of that take up 0.5 percentage points above the previous 12 months low, then a recession has probably already started. And what's it showing now? That model shows that there is no recession right now, and there is no recession in the, I mean, foreseeable future because the reading is so low. If you look at the chart online, it's still pretty much close to zero. So some of these indicators are forward-looking, right? So some of these indicators you can look at and say, okay, in like three months to six months, we will probably have a recession. Some of them are in the moment, like the SOM rule is a great indicator of where we are right now, right this second. And so any one thing, you know, we were joking around a little bit talking about lipstick and underwear, but people kind of have their favorite things that they watch, but trying to peg a recession to any one or two or even three things is not really going to be your most accurate way of doing it. You need sort of to take all of these components together. And I think that's why, especially since the pandemic, I think economists have realized that they need as much data as possible because some of these issues start to form in parts of the economy that you may not have thought about or may not have seen before. You know, the last two recessions really caught us off guard. They were kind of unforeseen events, black swan events, right? You had the COVID pandemic, and then prior to that, you had this massive, spectacular housing crash starting in the credit market. And so I think taking, you know, as much as you can fill your basket with different components and different items, you'll get a much clearer picture of what's happening in the economy and if potentially a downturn is coming. Katya Dmitrieva, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thanks so much. When we come back, 
how economists decide when a recession has arrived. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Hey there. It's Sarah Holder, host of Big Take. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube. So as Katya says, given how hard it is to tell the future, how do policymakers decide whether to tighten or loosen the reins on the economy? One person who knows is Simon Kennedy. He oversees economic coverage for Bloomberg, and he's here with me now from London. Simon, we've been talking about how difficult it is to predict when or if a recession will happen. But what measures do economists use to declare that a recession has arrived? Well, there's two measures. One is the internationally recognized uh, definition of a recession, and that's two quarters in which uh, the economy contracts, in which gross domestic product, which is the, all the output of an economy, shrinks over two quarters. But in America, it's slightly different. Obviously, we get those measurements, but an official resignation is defined uh, by a group of academics at the National Bureau of Economic Research, which assembles this panel. Ben Bernanke, who used to uh, run the Federal Reserve, was once on that panel. And they look at a wider amount of data. They look at things like uh, labor market and data and the like, and they then report the start of a recession and the end of a recession. But they do so a long time after the event. It can be up to a year, even longer, perhaps, in which they crunch the numbers. And then they almost like uh, tablets of stone coming down a mountain declare that a recession occurred uh, starting uh, this date, which by then is obviously a lagging indicator to some extent. The sense, though, that uh, two quarters of contraction is internationally recognized, and then the NBER panel come back a, a bit later and rule it so. And is that why some economists say, even though we haven't been officially declared to be in a recession, they kind of think we may already be in one now, that we'll only find out later? Absolutely. And, and you've seen cases going back to the financial crisis in which uh, actually the recession then was uh, uh, started much earlier than the data initially showed. And now the feeling is, is that if the US isn't in a recession now, it might soon be. 
based on the forecast, based on the huge amount of uh, interest rate hikes that the Fed has delivered in the past year. And this would be more of a, I guess, run-of-the-mill sort of traditional recession, is that right? Yeah, and there's the the old joke that the Federal Reserve has has murdered several expansions over the centuries and or over the decades. And again, it seems that bad news for Chairman uh, Jerome Powell, but the, this would be a made by the Fed recession to squeeze the inflation out of the economy. That uh, obviously, as uh, prices surged last year, uh, the Fed was a bit surprised; it had to catch up uh, uh, with that and hiked interest rates quite aggressively last year. Um, is now continuing to hike interest rates, but but perhaps at a slower pace. But the more it squeezes now, the greater the chances of recession. And uh, and then it's a, it's a hard act to pull off this soft landing where the economy slows down enough to control inflation and then takes off again. Very rare feat, uh, rarely ever occurs. The Fed would like to think it can do it, but uh, obviously uh, the majority of economists think it won't. One of the things that's also different about what we're seeing now is that inflation, of course, is high. We're all feeling that. And yet the job market is still pretty high. We see a lot of big layoffs from the tech sector that are getting headlines. But there are still a lot more jobs available than people who are willing to fill them. And that's providing a nice buffer. And for those who don't think there's going to be a recession this year, and there are economists out there, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, take the other side of the bet and don't think there's a, a going to be a recession or that the, the risk is smaller than most, they point to that labor market. They point to unemployment being uh, so low. Obviously, uh, if you're in a job, you're getting paid. Uh, that helps your uh, your ability to spend and keep spending. It uh, bulks up your uh, your savings. So uh, I think uh, if there is a recession or not, the hope is that it will be at least a mild one because uh, so many people are in work, because there is such so much demand for labor. We'll be right back after the break. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Hey there. It's Sarah Holder, host of Big Take. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment and dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube. Simon, how likely do you think it is that the Federal Reserve could manage to cool off the economy without tipping into recession this 
fabled soft landing. So I think we've started 2023 on quite a stronger uh, or stronger footing than uh, perhaps anticipated at the end of last year. Two things are behind that. Uh, the reopening of China um, is going to create uh, a source of demand uh, around the world. And at the second time, inflation has come down perhaps slower than expected. It has potentially peaked in the uh, the fall of last year. And if inflation comes down and demand is supported, um, the Federal Reserve feels it can uh, take its foot off the brake, so to speak, that there'll be more chances of a soft landing. Certainly uh, in recent weeks, the, the chatter around a soft landing has built. The tight labor market means workers have been able to demand higher pay and other benefits. If the Fed succeeds in cooling the jobs market and unemployment rises, do you think that that balance of power will shift sharply back toward employers? I think that's probably going to be a theme for the year. It's hard for Jerome Powell at the Fed and other central bankers to communicate because who wants to go out there and say, we really need unemployment to go up? We really need your wages to stop rising. Um, It's not a great look. It is a look that if you're the central banker, you have to... uh, Adopt at the moment. The argument would be, uh, from their point of view, is if we is that the, the bigger threat to the medium to your long term um, uh, lifestyle is is inflation. So we need to to get that back under control, and that would allow the uh, the labour market to uh, to sustain growth over a much longer period of time. Uh, but it's a hard message to convey that uh, actually, when you look at it, um, central bankers wouldn't mind that labour market uh, easing up a bit. And what about the other side of the equation, which is corporate profits, which have been really, really high? Um, And uh, there's some debate about how much corporate profits are contributing to inflation versus how much it's the hot labor market. Are you anticipating that we're going to see these very profitable companies start to cool themselves? To some extent, although it won't be voluntary, I don't know many companies that uh, that try to uh, to reduce their profits. But uh, again, you, we're entering a space really where if you're the Fed, there's some there's somewhat of a risk here that uh, that you're going to be pulled into the political conversations on Capitol Hill because of the forces you talk about: workers wanting more wages, workers feeling they've got they've got or they had a, a small window to uh, to kind of cash in and push for higher wages because they're in demand. Uh, the argument that uh, that corporations are profiteering and uh, and taking advantage of a moment to uh, boost their own balance sheets. So you've got all these forces out there that puts the Federal Reserve in a bit of a tricky position because if it's the one that's uh, uh, on the hook for causing the recession and companies are profiting and workers are missing out, uh, then uh, then it's a bit of a, uh, a hard conversation to be having with the American public. I'm going to put you in an unfair spot looking down the road to the rest of the year. Do you think there's going to be a recession? I think so. I think interest rates were were yanked up so aggressively last year that it'll be hard for any economy to kind of withstand that squeeze. The inflation at the start of last year that everyone thought would fade, the idea that even 18 months ago, the bet was the inflation would fade after the pandemic faded, and then there'd be this opportunity for the Federal Reserve to not have to raise interest rates aggressively. That proved a wrong bet, but inflation has continued to gallop along. Interest rates have been squeezed, um, and aggressively so, the most in four generations. It would be very hard, or very easy, I should say, for the the economy just to tip into into a brief recession, which seems to be the consensus forecast of most. But as long as that labor market stays strong, there's a case to be made for no recession or at least a a mild one. Simon Kennedy, thanks for talking with me today. Thank you. You can read more from Simon Kennedy and Katya Dmitrieva at Bloomberg.com. 
Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us with questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicki Vergolina. Our senior producer is Katherine Fink. Our producers are Mo Barrow and Michael Falero. Hilda Garcia is our engineer. Our original music is composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. Hey there, it's Sarah Holder, host of Big Take. I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment, and dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube.